Hey, welcome to Church Alive. We hope this message is something fresh, real, and powerful for your life. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the message. Hey, you can grab your seat. Can we thank our worship team? Can you slap your neighbor? Tell them you look good, you smell good, and your singing's getting better. Tell them your singing's getting better. You can almost try out for the worship team. How many enjoyed my wife's message last week? Man, I keep telling her she's a better preacher than she thinks. And uh, someone told me, yeah, she's way better than you. And uh, I said, thank you in Jesus' name. Um, and how many know it's good to marry up, right? It helps us men become more. Right? And so excited about that. And she brought an awesome message on really breaking God's, uh, when we break God's word, it brings us into really bondage. But how to get free is actually by admitting and turning around and going in a different direction. Uh, I want to deliver a message today called Freedom, It's Predictable. Freedom, It's Predictable. How many think that Peter's message did not motivate you to go and get a cat? If you were not motivated before, let me tell you, you're not motivated now. So thank you, Peter, for not motivating us towards getting cats. And if you're a cat lover in the house, they're in your heart. It's okay. Judges chapter 5, verse 31 says this, But may those who love you rise like the sun in all its power. And then there was peace in the land for 40 years. Someone say 40. Come on, say 40 years. What's interesting in Scripture, uh, you don't have to say it with an Australian accent, it's up to you, whatever. Um, what's interesting in Scripture, in the book of Judges, I was reading it recently, the five first, five, uh, first books of the Bible, and then there's Joshua, right after Joshua comes Judges. Joshua is Moses' next leader. Moses rises up and um, helps the children of Israel get set free. Joshua is next, and the baton is passed very well from Moses to Joshua. Joshua is literally Moses' assistant for many years. He then becomes God's point leader. He is both prophet, he is priest, he is a, a governmental leader, he is a warrior, he is a man's man, he is an incredible guy, but he passes on or he fails to to pass on the baton of leadership to the next generation. As great as his leadership is, he does what sometimes leaders have a hard time doing, is identifying the next person who should lead in that next generation. And I was talking to a military man just even this weekend in San Diego, and I was talking about leadership, and he said the first thing they drill into you in the Marines is you must have a leader following you. Why? Because if that guy gets shot, who else is going to follow, right? And so leadership is so imperative that not just we do life well, and we do the Christian faith well, but actually we pass it on well to the next generation and to those who are around us. Someone say amen. amen. And the book of uh, the Bible says this in Judges chapter 2, verse 10. It says this, After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, speaking of Joshua and his leaders, another generation grew up who knew, who, who knew neither the Lord nor what He had done for Israel. In other words, they had failed to continue to pass on the blessing, the principles, the law of God, the principles of God. Maybe they just got a little funky and too self-righteous. They didn't pass it on well. 
And the Bible says this, verse 11, Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and they served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. Someone say, out of. What's interesting is that they were free and then they went back into bondage. I've actually found that the Christian experience is coming to Christ, getting free, but understanding that freedom is a lifelong process. And if I'm not continuing to follow the Lord, I might be free in one year, but a year later I can be bound in that very same thing. How many of you have ever given up maybe an addiction, given up smoking, given up this, given up that? Five years later, you can get back into it. And so I was hearing a discussion recently that said this, can, can Christians have curses on them? Well, the, the, the reality of this is this, what you got free of, you can actually go back into if you don't keep following the Lord. Are you with me, Church Alive? They were free, but they went back into bondage. And the devil will always lure you by pleasure, but God will speak to you through sometimes the pain of your world. C.S. Lewis actually said that God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a sleeping world. And so, but here's the thing, I don't want pain. How about you? How many of you wanna be blessed? Say me. And if you didn't say me, ble, me you're confused, okay? Some must say, I want to be blessed. Some must say, I am blessed. But I have found that life is like a box of chocolates. Thought I'd bring a box of chocolates today. See, the great prophet Forrest Gump said that life is like a box of chocolate. You never know what you're going to get. It's like mum always told me, <laughs> life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Actually, if you flip over, Forrest. <laughs> See, Forrest said, I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. Let's just go with, I'm not a smart man. Because if Forrest would have flipped over the box, how many know that you can choose which chocolate you get? Yeah. Someone say, Amen. <laughs> See, if you're allergic to nuts, how many know you need to read this box, right? If you're a caramel lover, if you're a, I'm more of a chocolate mint, how many know that chocolate chip mint ice cream is of God, like it's just of the Lord? We will get to heaven one day, have a six pack, have some mint chocolate chip ice cream, and an eight pack will appear. It'll be just like, whoa, the more I eat, the more ripped I am. And it'll be a good thing, amen. There'll be no diets in heaven. How many know there's no diets in heaven? <laughs> right? It's called the, the marriage supper, the feast of the lamb, and so forth. But if you're allergic to nuts and peanuts or whatever nuts, I was talking to someone the other day. He's like, yeah, I, I got to read everything because I'm allergic to nuts. And um, one of our, our leaders, Steve Rosek, he is very allergic to peanuts. And so his wife had some peanut butter recently, and then he kisses her a little bit later, and within a minute, he's like, babe, what did you do? Did you have peanuts? And I don't know if he had to give himself an EpiPen shot, or she had to slap him, whatever, whatever, okay? See, I want to say this to you today, that freedom in the Scriptures, in the book of Judges, was actually very predictable. 
It was like a box of chocolates. You just had to read it. And if you didn't follow the Lord, you went to bondage. If you didn't pay attention to what you're allergic to, you would get into bondage. But if you listened to God, He blessed you. And there is this roller coaster of a journey. What's interesting as you read the book of Judges, they would be blessed for a season. Someone say a season. They'd be blessed for a season. The Bible says they'd be blessed for 18 years of prosperity, 18 years of peace. And then they'd forsake the Lord and then there'd be 40 years or 18 years or eight years. And there was this constant roller coaster of a cycle, which was blessed, cursed, blessed, oppressed, blessed, oppressed. How many of you would rather choose blessing? Yeah. Right? I would much rather choose blessing. So I don't sweat too much. Let me throw this off. Thank you. Um, I would much rather choose blessing. I want you to go in the Bible, if you have it with you, to the book of Judges in Judges chapter 4. Judges 4, I'm going to a different passage, this scripture. My wife told me the last passage was a little too long, so I'm going to give you a little different look. If you have that on the screen, Judges chapter 4, it'll be at verse 4, but all the way down. Oh, you guys are so good. Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, not, not sure why they named him that, but anyway, let's keep moving on was leading Israel at that time. Watch this now, before the, before the 60s, 70s woman movement, don't worry, the Bible does not oppress women. The Bible loves women. The Bible empowers women, right? She was the leader literally of Israel thousands of years ago. Sometimes if you listen to some people that don't like the Bible, they'll, they'll just get you thinking messed up. But trust me, God loves women, empowers women, amen. And the Israelites, she held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites, watch this now, they went up to her to have their disputes decided, which means she was a wise woman. Uh, verse 6, she sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali and said, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and, and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor, and I will lead Caesarea, or, or Caesarea, how do I say that? Sisera, there you go, Sisera, I got there. And the commander of Jabin's army with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and to give him into your hands. What's interesting is that Deborah is the prophet of God, but she's also a governmental leader, which again kind of actually explains to us that church and state should not be separated, but actually should influence every area of culture. She is a prophet. She is a governmental leader. She is a wise woman, and she hears from God herself, and she says, this is how you're going to get free. And a man of God comes along and listens to her voice, and then all of a sudden he obeys, others follow, and all of a sudden there is victory. So I want you to see that there is a picture. If you throw on the screen the picture of, of defeat, guys, that will be there. And there is a systematic uh, cycle of defeat that I want to talk to you about and then lead you along a certain path. The cycle of defeat in your life and my life goes like this. Pride, I think I'm all that in a bag of chips. I don't want to listen to anyone and anything. I'll do life my own way. I sing the song of Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. And in the end, God actually goes, oh, got to humble you. Yeah. Pride, rebellion, seasonal pleasure. Someone say seasonal. seasonal. We often get attracted to seasonal pleasure, but we often don't realize how long the pain will last. Yeah. Haven't you noticed that what happened in Vegas came with you? 
What happens in Vegas comes with you. What happens at spring break comes with you. What you watch in different moments comes with you. Actually, you've seen, some of you have seen some things at 15 and you're 45 now and you're remembering them 30 years later. You see, what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas. It actually clings to your life. And so here's the, the Bible says this, that it leads to rebellion, seasonal pleasure, oppression, and finally defeat. But then let me show you the cycle of blessing. The cycle of blessing or the cycle of victory. Go to the next slide, guys. And it says this, when you are defeated, how many of you hate defeat? Come on, how many of you want to break some cycles? How many of you want to break some cycles of negativity, cycles of dysfunctional marriage, cycles of anger, cycles of rage, cycles of lust, cycles of all kinds of things? Cry out to God. God will give you the Word of the Lord. That, that prophetic moment that I felt like God spoke to me about this thing, when faith and obedience come, guess what comes next? Come on, guess what, what comes next? Now here's the thing. This is continual for thousands of years, thousands of years, thousands of years. In other words, life is like a box of chocolates you get to choose. But how many of you know that sometimes it seems like that, that chocolate that you're allergic to seems to be singing your song? It's just like, come to me. Come and taste my goodness and go. Hi. And, and, so, and the Lord's like, no, it's got nuts in it. <laughs> and you taste it for a moment. You're like, oh my goodness, it's so good. So good. And then on the inside, like, wait a minute. Oh, oh shoot. Uh, oh, I can't go to the bathroom. I'm not sure. I need an EpiPen. I need to go to the hospital. See, see when you cry out to God, the word of the Lord will come to your life. Listen, why do you need to be in the house of God? Because worship is so important because the devil is always tricking you that God is holding out on you. God wants this from you and this from you and this from you. And it's always the same thing. And the devil lures you. He lures you. And then you get stuck. How many of you ever been stuck before? You get stuck and you're stuck. How many know it's normally way longer than you wanted it to be? You're stuck way longer. You, you're just there and you can't get out. But how many know that God is the cycle breaker? God is a cycle breaker and He will bring the Word of the Lord to your mind and to your spirit and He will begin to change the generation. But hear me now, it's up to you and me to hear the Word of the Lord and begin to surrender to it. Yes. Come on, someone say surrender. surrender. Slap your neighbour and tell them you need to surrender. See, you seek the Lord and you hear the Lord, but then you surrender. When I'm staring at, at temptation, when I'm staring at it, it's hard to surrender. When I'm staring at God, it's easy to surrender. When I stare at temptation, it's hard to surrender. When I stare at God, it's easy. God's will for your life is freedom. How do you get there? Surrender. You're like, I don't like surrender. That doesn't feel very nice. How many of you know that sometimes what, what feels good is bad for you? Yeah. Right? That extra bowl of ice cream. It's a little, you know what I'm saying, like extra. I went, how, there's, a, there's this donut shop in Rutherford that just opened, praise the Lord, hallelujah. 
And um, I'm, I'm honestly not a donut person. I don't care for them. But these, they make them on the spot. Like, they, they, like you, you order it and then they make it. So it hasn't been sitting around for a few hours. It's like one minute. And you take it and you go, oh. And I, I just get cinnamon donut. Just cinnamon, that's all I need. Just some cinnamon. And it's like heaven made it. And then I'm like, well, I wouldn't mind another one. <laughs> and, and then Benny was like, Daddy, if I had this in my house, I'd have like 12,000 a day. I'm like, that wouldn't go that well. How many know what I'm talking about? Seek the Lord and hear the Lord and surrender. We all want freedom. We want it. But I'll tell you, it is in Christ. Freedom is in hearing Him. Freedom is in hearing Him. Single people, listen to me. Sometimes God will warn you about someone and He's like, just, just, it's not for you. I remember years ago, I was in church. I literally had my hands up. I was 18 years old. And as clear as a bell, the Lord said to me, uh, you know you can't date her. And I was like, but your word says it's not good that Adam's alone. <laughs> and I, I found that I had to surrender. But if I look at the fruit of it later, my goodness, thank God I didn't. Yeah. Right? God had something better for me. Amen. My goodness, it was a train wreck. It was going to be a train wreck. I promise you, I saw the fruit later. Years later, I was like, oh. <laughs> I dodged a bullet on that one. You know what I'm saying? But the Lord knew there was this hot little Portuguese girl down in Lynchburg, Virginia. I was going to meet. What does surrender look like? I, I just want to give you a few moments what it's looked like in my own life. I often find, if I'm at a conference, I often find the Lord nudges me to give into the offering of that church. And uh, it's normally more money than I want. And I'm like, Lord, but I had a plan for that money. And he's like, so did I. I wanted to bless that church through you. Like, why don't you choose someone else? But I thought you wanted to be a blessing. How many of you know that, how many of you would like at least the person next to you to be generous? <laughs> that means every single person in this room right now, God wants you generous. How does He do it? He doesn't just do it in one moment. You don't just walk in the door and just go, I'm Captain Generous. <laughs> you don't, He does it little bit by little bit and, and you kind of go, okay, Lord, I'll give it to you. Okay, Lord, I'll give it to you. And over the years, you go, oh, I became generous. How did that happen? The little moments of surrender. The little moments of surrender. Isn't it funny that the Lord's like, give, and you're like, oh, Lord, but your word says save. <laughs> you know, so often the Lord has led me to get up very early in the morning or stay up very late to pray for our church and pray over a message or pray for something. And it isn't funny when the Lord asks you to get up early and pray for something. You're like, you know, Lord, I mean, Dr. Oz, he says I need at least eight hours of sleep. And, and, and it's like, no, get up, son, because <laughs> I know what's coming. I know what's coming. I know what's coming. I, I know what's coming. I know the purpose I have for you. I know the plan I have for you. And you need to get ready. Many of you, you need to get ready for the next season. You've been in a cycle, some of you, of, of, of defeat and the cycle of unhappiness. And God's saying, listen, I need you to sow thankfulness even when you're not happy. 
Some of you have, honestly, you're, you're resting depression and almost like, oh, I need to take. No, what you need to do is sow thankfulness. And thank you for the job I do have. Thank you for the clothes I do wear. Thank you for the money I do have. And you're like, but it's not enough. Listen, be entrepreneurial, but at the same time, be thankful for what you do have. Can I get a good amen? God will lead you to apologize quicker than you've ever apologized. That's never fun. Like how many want a forgiving spouse or a forgiving family? You be it. Like, but she won't apologize. You do it. He won't apologize. You do it. You sow that seed. When I was 18, I heard this one Jewish preacher preach. Dick Rubin was his name. And, he, and in the message, he talked about if you have anything against anyone, go apologize. And I was like, ah, oh, I don't want to. And it was literally like anything against anyone, anything against anyone. And I had this awkward conversation where I had to die to myself. I was like, hey, dad, I just want to talk to you. I just, I just want to say, hey, I just want to, listen, you've been a good dad, but maybe I've held some things in my heart against you. Perhaps over the years of things have gone wrong and so forth. And I just want to tell you, dad, I, I, I forgive you. He was kind of like, oh, thanks, son. It's good. All right, that was awkward. Let's move. <laughs> like that was my conversation. But I look back now, 20-something years later, and that moment freed me. That moment freed me from the past. Those are the moments where surrender. Listen, you can get free in a worship service. You can get free in a preaching service. You can have people lay hands on you, shunder lakai over you, pray for you. Doesn't matter. But hear me now, there's some things only you can do. There's some things only no one can give for me to release my heart. No, no one can. It has to be me. This is why the Bible says in, in Jesus speaking, He said in, in Luke chapter 9, He says, Luke 9, 23, and He said to them all, if any man will come after me. Now watch this now. Let him deny himself and take up his cross when? Daily, Daily and follow who? Me, for whoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake and the same shall save it. Now, if you've never really bumped into this scripture, this scripture sounds very hard. You're like, Lord, what does that look like? I've got to crucify myself. Do I have to put nails in my hands and so forth? No, it's just sometimes when you have a plan for your life and God has a different plan, it feels like something dies. And here's the thing, it often only dies for a few minutes. You literally go, okay, Lord, I'll give it to you. And you walk away and then later you go, oh my gosh, now I'm free. See, see when, when you come to church only when you feel like it, you will soon not feel like it. But when you've decided in your head that you're going to be planted in the house of God and you'll, be in, you'll follow Jesus, there is sometimes a death to self, but then there's the resurrection three days later. See, lots of people want life in their faith and life in their Christianity, but you have to die to something. 
I promise you this, if you'll die to it, you'll be surprised how much life is on the other side of it. You see, there are cycles of defeat and there are cycles of blessing. Do you know that I've been following Jesus, not perfectly whatsoever, but for 20 years now, I'm, all, I'm, I'm like scared to disobey God. Why? Because I know how blessed I am. And so why would I want to go and do something dumb? And I've watched not just my own life, but other people who follow Jesus and I see how blessed they get. And then I watch other people who follow Him for a little bit and then fall away and follow Him for a little bit and fall away, follow Him for a little bit and fall away. And I kind of go, man, I see the defeat coming. And I want to save you the pain. Sometimes I tell my son to do something just to teach him a lesson. Hey son, go, go wash the dishes. And you sit back and go, hallelujah. <laughs> and I don't do it because, again, I'm not for him. I do it because I am for him. Because he needs to take responsibility for his life. He needs to learn how to clean after after himself. I've been wiping his bum for years enough. I mean, you can start to clean the table if you know what I mean. You know, are you with me? Yeah. See, how many of you have cycles of defeat that you need to break? Some of you came from families, there were cycles of defeat, and I'll promise you, where there were cycles of defeat in your life and in your family, you'll always notice that there are areas that they will not give to God. There are areas of your family they will not give to God. Just look back at your family, look at the, the mom and dad you have, look at the generation before that, and literally look at their life and go, do I want their fruit? Do I want their life? And if I don't want their life, I better change something. If I don't want their life, I better change something. One of the most important things I believe that you decide is who are you going to follow. Listen, we are followers of Jesus, but you often follow someone or at least model yourself after someone who becomes a mentor figure in your life because they seem to be following Jesus more than you are. And if you want the fruit of their life, follow their life. Man, I have been so blessed by leaders who I followed. And the, the longer I've been following, I remember the first number of years, Miriam and I were leading the church and we were kind of disconnected from other leaders and other pastors. But once we got connected, the blessing of God began to flow more in our life. And I've been more blessed in my marriage because I followed Couples like Ed and Lisa Young, I've been more blessed as I lead this church as I've followed models like Pastor Jurgen and Pastor Phil Pringle. I've been blessed in my leadership as I've followed guys like John Maxwell and Craig Rochelle because we must learn that freedom in our lives to follow Jesus is often following someone else. Because often we want to kind of do the spiritual journey by ourselves. Oh, oh listen, my God, God and my relationship, it's private. I don't need church, it's me and God. You don't agree with God, He thinks you need church. Like He thinks you need to be around other people, you're like, I don't wanna be around other people. I don't like people. And He's like, that's why you need to be around other people. Because you don't like people, but I've actually commanded you to love people, not even put up with people. Uh, and, and some of you listening are like, because we live in a very populated area, so we kind of get sick of people. You're like, there's too many people. Some of you today are like, there's a lot of people in this church. I'm going to go somewhere where there's no people. That's called your prayer closet. Can I get a good amen? 
Listen, don't ever say, uh, don't ever say the church is getting too big. No, you just, that's what the devil says. The devil always gets nervous when the church starts growing. He's like, they're growing. Let's try to get disunity among them. Let's try to get complainers to complain. Let's try to get critical people to be critical. I don't like the fact he has the dog tags on his. I'm just, I'm just not sure. Why does he do that? You know the funny thing? Sometimes you come to a church, and here's the thing, you smell life. You smell it, but there's like one thing. You're like, you know, when I grew up, it was more like this. And you're like, but you remember you hated it when you grew up, right? When I, I, I believe church should be more formal. But when you went, you thought it was bloody boring. <laughs> and so now it's less formal, but there's something in your makeup that says, I like formality. Wow. Right? Am I preaching to anyone? Yeah. I don't know about all this jumping and hollering and, and, and praising. You know, I think church should be very quiet. That's called a cemetery. Go church alive, not church half alive, amen. Freedom is never free. Someone always fought for your freedom. We serve in a country that people die so that you'd be free. Read a Bible that people died so that you'd have that Bible. We serve a Jesus that died so that you might be forgiven. Freedom is actually never free. You go over someone else's house and they're like, oh, they gave me dinner for free. That wasn't free. They paid for it. One day, before Jesus went to the cross, the Bible says he goes to a garden called the Garden of Gethsemane. He knows what's about to happen. He knows he's about to go to the cross. He's read Isaiah 53 verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that brings his peace was upon him and by his wounds, the Bible says he was healed. Jesus would have memorized and known that whole passage of Scripture. So he's about to go to the cross and then he begins to go to his father in prayer and he says this in Matthew chapter 25 and 26 I think it is he says father if it is possible let this cup pass from me and then he says but not that I will but that your will be done and so the Bible says he goes for one hour by himself, leaves his disciples and begins to pray that, that the guy that did the will of God perfectly for all of his life suddenly did not want to do the will of God. It was not a fun night to be Jesus. It was not a good night. It wasn't like I'm healing people. No, He's about to go to the cross. And so for one hour, He prays, Father, I don't want to go. And then He goes back to His disciples. And they're sleeping and they're falling into temptation. And He kind of leaves them. It's just like, you know, pray that you don't fall into temptation. He goes back a second time for one more hour and He begins to beg the Father. He says, Father, if it's possible, is there another way to heaven? 
Like literally, is there another way that, that humanity can be saved? And it's as if the God of heaven, Jesus Himself looked in, into earth and outside the solar system and He recognised there was no other way for humanity to be saved except for the blood of Jesus to shed for the sins of the world. And for two hours He prays. Goes back to His disciples one more time and they are sleeping again. And the Bible says He goes back a third time and He's not wanting to do the will of God. The Bible says, Father, if it's possible, may this cup pass from me, but not as I will, but Your will be done. But one of the Gospel writers write it slightly different. On the third time He goes back in prayer, He says, Abba, Abba, let this pass from me. What was he doing? He's like, Daddy. He's prayed for two hours. He's got quietness. It, there had never been silence from the Father before. But this Father is silent. And then on this last time, he says, Dad, I don't want to go. What's amazing about this story, or this record, just goes, God, I'll go because I trust you. You are not just my father, you are my daddy. See, I believe surrender to the father becomes easier when you have a right picture of him and he's your daddy. See, surrender to the will of God is hard when you're staring at temptation. Surrender to God is easier when he's your daddy. I pray that every single person in this place would have a view of God, that He is your daddy. It doesn't mean He's just pandering your every need. No, God is about His purpose, but He loves you. How do you surrender to God? You understand that the depth of your heart is love. And I look back across my life right now, and at 18, I surrendered to Jesus. And, and you, do you know that you don't surrender one time to Jesus? You know you have to surrender again. Surrender again and surrender again and a worship moment. This weekend I was in San Diego, just gone by and, and there was 1,500 men at this one men's retreat. And a lot of us got this, what, a piece of wood and wrote down different things we might be struggling with. And then we lifted them up and con confessed them to someone and then threw them in a fire. It was just a powerful moment. Felt like God just shifted some things in my own heart. You see, freedom is a process. It's a process. Some of you, you've got a cycle of defeat. And you're crying out to God saying, God, change this. But He's like, son, I need you to change this first. Daughter, I need you to change this first. I don't want to pick on one particular thing in your life. I want to say this. Following Jesus. Surrendering everything. That's what it is. Never be free until you surrender your whole heart. Come on, close your eyes with me, bow your heads. Holy Spirit, move across this room right now. Breathe on these moments we have, God. Breathe life and strength into every man, into every woman. Where are you living in a cycle of defeat? God wants to bring a cycle of blessing your way. One of the keys to open the door of blessing in your life is surrender. He is a good God. 
He is not just your father. He is your daddy. He sent his very best for you. Die on a cross. His blood was shed. He said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. And so often the mistakes of our life, the pain of our life, the things that we do so often, we don't know what we do. But we have a God who breaks every cycle of defeat through the cross, through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. So all across this place, I'm gonna ask some people, maybe you've never said yes to Christ or many, many years ago, you put your faith in Him, but if you're honest, you don't live for Him, you live for you, you've taken back your life, but you found out that it was, it was a seasonal time of, of, of joy and happiness, but it's actually left you broken. So all across this place, I'm gonna ask you to put your faith in the person of Christ, but then surrender your heart and your mind again and just say, Lord, I, I need you. I did things my own way for a long time and I came back broken, but now I come back and I say, God, I, I need you. I need your blessing in my life. And so all across this place, we're gonna pray a prayer and that prayer is gonna connect you to the greatest person ever imaginable. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. So come on, let's pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, thank you. You love me. You have a plan for my life. Today, I surrender. I surrender my life to your goodness, to your plan. I align my thinking, my heart with you. I thank you. You are for me. Break every cycle that would cause defeat in my life. I surrender that I might be free. All across this place, my heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're in business with God, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the first time, or you're making Him the Lord of your life, on the count of three, would you quickly raise your hand? One, two, three. All across this place, raise your hand, raise it up high. Come on, all across this place, raise your hand, raise it up high. Lots of hands going up. That's awesome. Thank you, those guys there. Thank you. Those two girls there. Thank you. In the back there. Just raise it up long enough so I can see it. Thank you, sweetheart. Over there. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Those in the corner over there, right in the back. That's awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Proud of you. Those of you raising your hand. Thank you, sweetheart. Over here. That's awesome. That's awesome. You can put your hand down. I want every single person to stand to your feet for a moment. New levels of surrender mean new levels of freedom. New levels of surrender mean new levels of freedom. If you believe that, can we give the Lord a huge, come on, a huge, come on, a shout. If you want to hear more empowering messages and learn more about Church Alive, make sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at churchalive.tv. We hope to see you this weekend. Have a great week.